You're listening to Antioch Center for the Nations. For more information, please visit www.antiochchurch.sg. The phrase that Jesus speaks, if you have faith, uh, appears a few times in the Bible, and I, and I came across an interesting pattern that I want to talk about tonight, which in a moment we will see these categories of life's challenges. But I want to start with Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. It says... Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So here we see very clearly that it says we also glory in our sufferings. This glorying in the sufferings that we go through, the challenges of life, really are the things that make us what we are. Uh, we know that only through much tribulation, only through ordeals, only through processes like these do we grow. In a new believer's life, it's not as prevalent because they're just coming to Christ. But as you grow in the Lord, you are moving forward in different levels, different challenges. And it is God's design in plan for you to go through trials, go through difficulties, to be confronted with challenges. And this is where I began to form the idea of this message because I noticed that Jesus had a way of dealing with every challenge that rose up against him. And he did it very demonstratively because he was out to teach the disciples how to deal with the things of life. Uh, they were confronted with challenges, hurricanes in the, in the middle of the lake, and issues that were very life-threatening and serious. And through this all, he taught them how to deal with it. And I noticed that every time that they were challenged with something and yet failed the test, Jesus had the same response with them, which is, Where, where's your faith? Or, oh, you of little faith. Or, or, you know, um, couldn't you have believed? Or all the, every time they, they were met with a challenge and didn't seem to rise to the occasion, the answer always out of Jesus' mouth is faith, 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 faith. So I started realizing just like faith is, is in all realms, and we live by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, and without it, it's impossible to please God. I find that it is actually the element that we need more than anything to conquer every situation in life. It is at the root level deeper than the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it is, it is what releases the power of the Holy Spirit. It is at a root level deeper than healing. Because it is what releases healing. It is at the foundation of everything. If any challenge comes to us, we need faith. And of course that connected to hope. And the process is outlined here. Of course, we could go and do an in-depth message just on this passage as I have in the past. We glory in sufferings because we know. This is what we know. At least we're supposed to know. You're supposed to be convinced that suffering produces perseverance. Why would I go through trouble? Why do I have to confront these challenges in my life, these difficulties? Because God has a plan to develop you. And that plan is that perseverance will come through the suffering, and then your character will come out of that perseverance. Your character is the way that you think and act and live your personality in faith. Your personality as a type and an image of Christ. That's your character. That if somebody 
can look at you and decide that you're acting like Jesus in every situation that you find yourself. Therefore, your character has been modeled after the character of Christ. Which means His attributes, the fruit of the Spirit, is a description of, of all those things. That The kind of trust that you see in Jesus toward God is always built on faith. Your character comes true. You're learning to persevere through the sufferings. Now, of course, this whole process falls apart if we, from the very beginning of it, quit the process. If you cannot endure the suffering and you throw off the process, well, then the perseverance, you did not persevere, you understand in other words, your character cannot be shaped or changed at all until you have persevered, until you have needed to persevere. And Paul talks about this process and the depth that he walked through, and he says, look, look, you've not yet resisted unto blood. He talked about nobody has put a knife to your throat, nobody's killing you at that kind, but he's talking about the light and simple afflictions of life that deal with us. I say light and simple, of course, when you're going through your own brand of suffering, doesn't seem like to you. And we look at that in development of spiritual maturity. A child, if a child drops their ice cream from the cone, that is a disaster. And they stand there bawling, crying, suffering in anguish because the ice cream fell off on the ground. And you know, I think we've all had children do that or see that. They're crying. That's suffering to us. It's like, just calm down. We tell our children, calm down. Why? Because We've dropped ice cream before. We've been through that. You, you just get another ice cream. Or if you were being careless and stupid, you get punished and don't get another ice cream until the next trip to the store. So we learn from life. It's the same. Perseverance comes when we do not throw off the suffering. Uh, can we embrace the challenges? Can we say, and that's what the Bible says to do, embrace them, accept them. Except that they, they are what you need to grow. If you're going through it, know that any kind of um, process that you're going through, any kind of suffering, any kind of difficulty is God's love for you. It's just packaged differently. But it is definitely His love. And therefore your character is formed as you persevere. And character, of course, hope. You learn how to hang on no matter what you are hoping because you know that another day is coming. And hope does not put us to shame. In other words, if you do hope in Christ, you will not be put to shame. Uh, you may have to tarry for a while. It may take a while, but you inevitably, undoubtedly, you will be vindicated and you will be exalted. All you need to do is wait on God. And that is where the perseverance, the patience that comes through the process. So hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And He's been given to us. The giving of the Holy Spirit in degrees and quantities, that is, the anointings that are on us, depend upon this process. So as we face challenges, we need to see what Jesus says about it. And that's where we're going to see three categories of life's challenges. Everywhere He says, if you have faith. And the disciples are involved in these categories as they are learning about life. The first one we see is spiritual challenges. Uh, nothing will be impossible for you, he says, concerning spiritual challenges. In context, Matthew chapter 17, we begin in verse 15. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. 
You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Now here Jesus is, is speaking to them, asking them a good question. How long do I have to deal with you and your inability to simply walk in faith? So Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And now that's a good question that they're asking because they have risen to a challenge and they failed. Um, no, we've all been in this situation. If you've had any experience in ministry, you've been in this boat where you're dealing with somebody that needs deliverance of some issue, some spiritual thing, and you're counseling, you're mentoring, you're teaching, you're preaching, you're trying to help someone, and, and there's just no avail. You're not, you're not reaching any goal. And it makes you feel lousy. I was just talking to somebody about that today over a lunch meeting, and um, we're planning on going to Nias, the island of Nias, and I met with the pastors that are putting that all together, and we had a great lunch planning, and it turned out to be an, a fascinating connection because they are the same people connected to other groups uh, that are out of that same church. And um, we found out that our histories are intertwined for many years, but this is the first time I met them. I've been finding out a lot. I've been having these strange meetings with pastors and leaders and finding out that we, we've been in the same boat for a long time and just been on opposite sides of the ship. And we're coming together in the middle thinking, hey, you've been on the ship this whole time. Yeah, you too. It's just the ship is so big. You know, the body of Christ is big. But it's nice to know that we're sailing together. And so they rejoice. I rejoice. I laid down things uh, for them. The Spirit of the Lord was with us there at the, at the meeting. We talked about all that God wants to do. And I talked about how we, we sometimes fail in spiritual challenges. And specifically concerning Nias. That was the meeting where we did the healing conference and uh, we advertised it and put banners up and healing and, and my picture was on the banner and uh, you know the great American missionaries coming with the healing power of God and that first meeting was one of the biggest duds I have ever experienced in my life. There was absolutely no anointing at all. It was dry and dead and there was no connection with the people and it was it was horrible, horrible. Uh, flop sweat, you know, where the sweat's pouring into your eyes. And, and it's not common for me because I'm very comfortable in the anointing and I flow in the Spirit. But the Spirit seemed not to have gotten the memo about that meeting. And I prayed, but it was just such a puzzle to me. And this is where you feel at that moment, well, I just failed. I, I did not rise to the challenge. Well, then all you need to do is understand the processes of faith. And that's what Jesus teaches them. He says, um, he replied, because you have so little faith, they wanted to know why they couldn't do it. He says, well, your faith, it's little. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So here Jesus speaking specifically in this story, we see this instance in the lives of these poor disciples. They're trying to... You think about it. Uh, they failed at this task, but they had already been operating in this in quite some time. This is Matthew chapter 17. It's not that they did not know about deliverance. It's not that they were not empowered, because way back in the 10th chapter, 7 chapters before this, He gave them power over unclean spirits. And they were already happy about it, Rejoice, Even the demons are subject to us in your name. But sometimes we come against the challenge that we just can't 
We're not always going to make it. And it is always going to be an exercise of faith where he's trying to teach us. And by now they certainly had become professionals at the deliverance ministry, but it didn't seem to work here. And I say that in our lives with Christ, after we receive Him as our Savior, we start out uh, on our journey on what we could call easy levels of spiritual interaction. We begin to relate uh, with people on different levels as we deal with spiritual forces. At first it's simple and easy to deal with, just like it was, you know, that Jesus and the Father worked in tandem together to create scenarios where the disciples could easily cast those spirits out. And so there was a super anointing dumped on them. They, they went out under the power of Jesus. And Jesus lent you His personal power and said, you go cast demons out. You think those demons are going to resist you? No. But by now, Jesus is off doing something. Now they're starting to learn that it is not always that simple. Why would that happen? Because incrementally, I find that God causes the challenges to rise from experience to experience. At first it's easy, but he, they start to become more and more difficult. I have encountered demon spirits many, many times through the years in different countries. Uh, the, what I met last night was probably one of the, the most alarming and frightening experiences I've had. Uh, the way that it felt um, is the darkness of it, the evilness of it. And, of course, I would have to ask, you know, why would that even be allowed? Uh, well, it's because it's time for my faith to rise to another level. The Spirit that's been given an agenda to kill me. And, and we don't know that, you know, that he would not be able to. Because the feelings in my body could have easily drawn me to a place of, if it be psychosomatic or whatever, I could have yielded to that death. You understand? It could have caused the coronary arrest. The fear was so intense. And I felt my body seizing. I felt my chest tight. I felt my arm going numb. Heart attack. And I knew I had a choice at that moment. And God was silent. And I took authority. And I, and I knew that this is the death I've been feeling. This is what I've been sensing. And I stood on top of it. I, I stood in spirit and I stood on top of it. And when that thing came to my face to take me, I pushed my face into his face and said, No, by the blood of Jesus Christ, you will not. It was a very Hollywood moment. You know, like a, it was like a Steven Spielberg movie. And I, but I, was, I stood in faith. And as I did, I felt that feeling. I mean, I felt cold death through my whole body. I felt it leaving me because I knew at that moment completely that death has no power over me. But the spiritual force that comes against us, it cannot control us. Now, I've learned these lessons through the years. Um, you've heard my stories about the processes that I've been through through the years when I first got saved, the first demoniac that was sent to me was a guy in the hair salon when I used to cut hair and he could like apparently read my mind and he would come and freak me out. I met a, a, a demon-possessed woman on Orchard the other day, Orchard Road. She'd come right up to me and just started speaking directly things that, uh, personal things by a familiar spirit. And, and so I, I just, no, 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 that's enough. I said, you're going to leave now. 
you're going to leave. And she, she shrieked, literally shrieked, ah, and ran off and left. So, you know, when they talk about, of course, I didn't cast a demon out of her. I didn't get her saved. No, I didn't. Uh, that was not on my agenda at that moment. When a demon-possessed person just comes and threatens me, I'm not always thinking, oh, poor demon-possessed person. I really kind of get more on a defensive, a stand my ground, and oppose that dark force. But she, of course, left shrieking, and then she went on, and I carried on with my day. It was my day off. I was on my e-scooter with my daughter, and I was going to have fun, so the hell with the devil. And, and I went on and enjoyed those. But there was a time, way back in the first years, I could have never dealt with something like that. And I couldn't. And the demon that was in this person that used to come to Salon knew it. And so he would come get his hair cut, like, every two weeks. Huh? to just stare at me and tell me things. And it's a professional atmosphere. I tried to tell the boss that this, this person's doing this, and they were like, oh, you just you're imagining. They wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't accept it. But it was it would cause, it was so painful. I needed to learn how to rise against it. And I failed the test several times. So finally, God sent me help in the form of an aunt and an uncle who were born again long before I was. I went into the uh, chemical room where we mix the colors in the permanent wave solution and I was mixing my color uh, to do another client while he was waiting and I was shaking from fear and um, right then my aunt, my uh, uncle and my aunt came into the salon and when I walked out of the dispensary I saw them and I just tears came out and I was petrified and I told them this guy and they were like oh really where's this guy? Because they're mature believers. They've already passed that test. They, they knew. And so they got to the right and the left of him, and I got behind him. And in a team, we began to speak to him. And then those spirits started manifesting. He was looking at them. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're like, they. And I learned that, wow, we have authority over this. And I learned from that process. Just like the disciples are being taught. That by faith, we can overcome. There is nothing that will be impossible for us if we have faith. So if we are confronted with situations where we seem not to have faith, it's not so that we run off and cower because as we saw in the introductory passage, you have to persevere when the suffering comes in this first category of the development of your faith. When spiritual things come, when demonic manifestations are there, when darkness looms, we need to understand how to meet this. And we do. And, you know, according to my years of development and understanding of the demonic world and its members, I, I have routinely dealt with spirits and I've learned through the years. But I would say last night, it rose to another level. And I'm happy about that. It means that God is trusting me to come to a new realm. And I'm excited about where we're going. If I can speak against death in myself, I can speak against it in others. Yes. So as a minister of the gospel, my faith will play out when death is coming after you. We will stand together because I know death. I met him. I met him. He's an ugly guy. And I'm not afraid of him. Now, I was petrified last night, but there's a difference. In a moment, we're going to talk a little bit more about natural fear versus spiritual fear. But faith is the understanding of spiritual things that makes us able to deal with spiritual challenges. You understand? Faith is believing. You believe something, it's because you understand it. Faith is understanding your right, your identity, as an empowered child of God. Now, when he says that they will by no means hurt you, you absolutely know it's a fact. 
But you will be challenged in that. Especially by the devil and his spirits. Because that's how they operate. They come to ask you and sow doubt into your convictions. Are you sure? What if... And there are some Christians that actually have doctrines of spirits being able to have power that we cannot overcome. Don't ever accept those lies. It's not true. Jesus wouldn't have said it if, it if it were true. But he said, over all the power of the enemy, they will by no means hurt you. So all we need to do is have faith that believes that we rise to the spiritual challenge. No matter what dark spiritual thing comes against us, we learn to believe, really believe, that we have all power and authority over every spiritual challenge in life. So we learn to deal with these challenges in, in life. It's kind of a spiritual classroom. And at first you're in kindergarten, then you go to first grade, and second grade, and third grade. Through the years I'm going through the grades and learning, and to give you an idea of the chronology of it, I had spent 10 years in Mexico dealing with a lot of weird stuff and spiritual things and growing and having encounters with God. And when God was ready to send me to India, He told me, this is exactly what He said, He said, um, um, I, I felt very accomplished about 10 years on the, on the field in Mexico. And He says, this has just been your kindergarten. He says, it's time to go to first grade. And that's what He called India when He sent me to India. So I don't know what's in the 12th grade. I don't know. That might be eternity when I finally graduate. I don't know. But in the process... I don't know what grade I'm in right now. I think I'm somewhere around the fourth grade, I guess. Things I went through through Indonesia also. But these are spiritual challenges, and your faith is being exercised and grown. We persevere, and our spiritual character is developed. And we have hope, we have trust, we believe, and we know, and it will carry us into the future. Amen? Now we go to the second one, physical challenge. You will receive whatever you ask for in prayer, he says. Matthew 21, verse 18. Early in the morning as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. And he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly? They asked. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith, and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now here, this is interesting, because we see this story concerning Jesus' faith and what he does, it's not a spiritual matter. The tree is a real tree. And the absence of figs, or that there, are, there really is an absence of figs, it is a physical thing. And I don't think Jesus was so concerned about developing a ministry of cursing fruitless fig trees and trying to teach them that every fig tree you see from now on, make, and it doesn't have fruit, make sure you curse it till it withers, and that's the spirit. No. He's teaching a principle here about the natural world being subject to the power of faith. The physical world. The first category we saw spiritual. Demons come and go. Really, by the way, these three categories are incrementally more difficult. Spiritual is easy because you can kind of fake it till you make it. You know, you just n name and claim and bind and loose and 
play the little charismaniac games that we pray in, in prayer without really always substantiating it with a genuine encounter with the bounty game. When you really meet them, you know, oh, I'm playing a game. The real thing is real. But and I, that's also where you teach kids to play with little plastic hammers until you give them a solid steel hammer. You teach them to play with little toy, little plastic swords, and they play sword fighting. You don't hand them a razor-sharp katana from the beginning <laughs> as a child. You know, you unless you're like a Spartan or something in some crazy movie. But no, you give them little toys because it's safe. And when you're a child, you, you, you think as a child, you act as a child. But when you mature, Paul says, you put away childish things. That's the kind of development that Jesus is doing in us. At first, it's simple things. It gives us a task, but ultimately, what you've been through up to now, it, really, you're not in the serious mode yet. You're dealing only with toys. We're just starting. Compared to what we will have to face, what we will have to challenge as we move forward to the reality. And the physical thing he's showing us here is, yeah, it might be a tree, and it's fruitless, but I think the focus here is the fruitlessness of this. And if there be things in your life that are fruitless, physical things in your life that are not bearing fruit, then you have, by faith, power over that physical world. And we think of this in realms, I think of many things that are applicable to the physical. Healing is not always going to be spiritual. There might be a, a spirit of infirmity behind it, but sometimes it is a physical problem. But we know that Jesus healed withered hands and they grew out. That is, that is manipulating physical matter. That's causing the tree to wither. Or whatever the case. Uh, I, I had some experience with those tumors I had in my nasal passages years back. I used this passage, in fact. I cursed them. I put my finger in my nose. I know that's gross, but put my finger in my nose and, and touched the tumors and cursed them in Jesus' name like Jesus cursed the fig tree. I got the phraseology from Dr. Rodney Howard <laughs> I heard him say it one time, I said, ooh, I like that. I'm going to use that. And I used it, and it worked. Because it's an analogy. He played out physically and showed us. And that's why he said, if you have faith, even to a mountain, not just a fig tree, but anything physical, even the most concrete and largest things there are, like a mountain, you could tell that mountain to be removed, and it has to obey. You, faith, can give you power over anything. Anything, uh, facilities, businesses, all the things, all the physical things of this world, the material substance of this world, it has to. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. All authority is in His hands. He sat down in majesty, having been given all authority by God, which He then extends to us. Not just in the spiritual realm, you understand? Physically. We are all-powerful over the physical world. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. There's no stories of the disciples going out and cursing fig trees. Well, you don't know what they did and what they didn't do after. We have some of their exploits written down. But I know that they learned a lesson this day. And so we see this story. Jesus teaching them. And the issue is not this necessarily the tree. It's the, it's the fruitless physical elements of our lives real things in our lives that are opposing us that we have to deal with by faith and stand against and say no 
and cursed to death. Not people. Don't go around cursing people to death. I'm talking about physical, non-human things and not demons. It's a category. And we see it here in life. This could be money, for instance, uh, or lack thereof. Uh, if, if, in fact, you then could use faith to affect, I have used faith, I live by faith. All my money comes from faith. I believe, I trust, I make plans without money, and money chases me. That's, I've done that for 30 years. That means I have authority over money. The money has to come find me because I'm doing the will of the Father, and the Father chases me with the money. People walk up to me and put money in my hand so that I can hand it to do the very next thing that I'm doing, operate and move in what God's called me to do because Jesus cursed the fig tree because he taught us the physical world has to bow to our spiritual understanding. And so then faith goes into the physical realm. And Jesus was demonstrating authority over the physical. So in our lives we'll have to face physical challenges in life. Behind some of these physical challenges, there will be spiritual forces at work, but often the challenges that we have to deal with on earth are simply bills, debt, accidents. Accidents happen. Uh, they just happen. I don't think anybody could say suddenly, you know, that God killed Rick Seward. You know what I think happened to the brother? I think he had an accident. And he died. Well, so couldn't God have spared him? I'm sure God could have spared him, but he had an accident. I know I, 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 one of the most mysterious things I ever saw in my life in Acapulco, there was a church there and a pastor. It was raining, not very hard. He walked out of his church onto the, the street and where the water was only was that deep, the water was running from the rain down the slope and something happened when he stepped onto the, the path. It was a little slimy, slippery. He slipped. When he did, he slipped and he fell, and he, and he slid under a car. The car was parked. But the way that he slid, the water coming down covered him. He drowned from having simply slipped. And, and all the brothers, everybody, all the other people were like it. It was the devil. The devil did this. And I, I, he had an accident. See, that's a natural thing. Anybody could have done that. And I know that we really, in fact, and this is the something too that people don't like to hear, but people die. People die. This is a natural part of life. Jesus said it. The disciples were very upset. And Jesus said, well, do you think that the 18 people upon whom the tower, the tower in Siloam fell were any more wicked than anyone else? An accident happened. The tower fell. God didn't, he was saying, my father, my sovereign father didn't choose those 18 people for that tower to fall on it. Just an accident happened. They happened to be those whose, whose blood was mixed in the sacrifice. They happened to be nearby when this madman decided to do that. Things happen. Sadly, they happen. Dear friend of um, uh, my, my son, one of his best friends, he had a group of three best friends while he was here in Singapore. And this young man had engaged um, to be married. And the, they were very excited about their upcoming future. And I don't know if you read recently that taxi that was hit and the young woman died. That was, that was her. That was my son's best friend's fiance. And, you know, of course, he wrote me. He says, Dad, what, what do I say? What do I do? I said, son, you, can't, you can only console. You, go, you can only say you love him and that you're sorry. And if there's anything at all you can do, um, you know, she died. Why? Was it an agenda against her? Was it an evil plan? No, accidents happen. I think 
think about it all the time. I have an e-scooter. I go down the road. I'm thinking, you know, one slip. And that metal pole that I'm going by at 25 kilometers an hour could bash my head wide open. I mean, you just think about this. It could happen. But then again, we can't live in fear of accidents all the time. Then we become paranoid. There are physical challenges. I believe God can also spare us from things. I have been spared many times um, from, uh, from situations that could have been fatal. And later I saw, obviously, God did a miracle. To protect me. So I think ultimately God can do what He wants, but I think also accidents do happen. Things happen. Jesus was very careful. If God were all powerful and all sovereign to to prohibit the premature death, why was Jesus always running away? You understand? Because He knew He had to strategize carefully and be careful to preserve His life long enough to actually be the atonement on the cross. He, he planned it out in conjunction with the Father, but he had to also not show up. And He, had to, he was in, a, in the last part of his ministry. He was clandestine. He was hidden, secret. It says he went incognito. He hid himself until the last moment when he knew this is one last reveal. They're going to kill me. But he did it cooperating with it. The Father could have that whole time just caused him to be more like Elijah calling fire down on everybody. But that was not the way. Jesus wanted to live a natural life like we have to live. But anyway, we, we go on and we see that they're in the physical realm. And sometimes we get confused about the difference uh, between the, the spiritual and the physical. Uh, I want to read Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 to you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. So here we see the Apostle Paul is speaking about physical challenges, not spiritual issues. This is not a spiritual thing that Paul's battling. He says quite naturally. He often speaks about his suffering, and he does, and he does not blame them on spiritual forces. He blames it on the physical. Because most of our challenge, the second most difficult, spiritual is easy. Physical, that's hard. Dealing with the, the, as I say, accidents, challenges, ideas. And, and, and it's important that we learn to differentiate the two realms between spiritual and natural. We can become so spiritually minded, we could look at, in the wrong angle, physical things. And sometimes Christians have a tendency to overblame the devil or spirits for things that are just natural. And if you get off on that tangent, you could become so spooky spiritual that you're not able to practically operate in life. Because then you're always, you know, rubbing oil on things and tying little red scarlet cloths on doors. And I've been in freaky camps of people doing all kinds of weird stuff. And I get the intent, but it gets out of hand. 
I, I know because one time I had to clean the oil stains off of the church where they were oiling and anointing everything and they, they ruined wallpaper, they ruined furniture, they did all these things and the pastor had to do a message rebuking them about getting out of hand. I saw it in my own eyes. It's, it's innocuous that we would anoint something with oil. I think it's beautiful. It's scriptural. But there's, you know, we can go overboard into realms that it's not necessary. We can do all that. I always look at the areas of excess. Uh, did we not cast out devils? Did, did we not prophesy? Did we not do mighty works? Three areas of excess in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Where people can do something that they thought was in the name of Christ and Jesus will say, I, don't, I never knew you. I don't know what you... Well, didn't we do these things? Doesn't that connect us? Well, if it's of God, but you can prophesy out of God. Yeah, out of the Spirit. You can, you can get into deliverance out of the Spirit. You can get so caught up on demons. You do mighty works without having any association with God whatsoever according to His purposes. That too is a physical challenge. So it's important that we differentiate. So here, in the physical challenge represented by the, the, the fig tree as we were learning, Jesus is teaching us that we have power over the natural world. Paul learned that he could be content no matter what. Now I want you to look at the kind of power of faith that Paul had. Because it's another species of faith. It's not faith that the physical situation would change, but that he would change. And if you can learn that, as he calls it, the secret, if you can learn, then you become impenetrable, impermeable. You become so flexible that you can go through any physical challenge and it doesn't matter because you're not tied to physical things. And you don't care about the stuff. You're free. And that's where Paul is talking about. He, he learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Come hell or high water, whether I'm starving or stuffed, I'm just going to be me. And he found freedom in that. And I think it's a beautiful freedom. And we don't like that. We frown upon it because we want to be prospered and we want to have things nice and we want everything to work out perfectly. Well, if that is always your only want, then you are not free. Because sure enough, there will be lack one time or another. There will be some sickness. There will be problems. You will have to sp spend the day and night in the deep and be shipwrecked and beaten. Paul gives the whole list of all these hardships that were not spiritual at all. They were all physical hardships that he went through, that he endured by faith, learning to be content no matter what. And I find that God wants to teach us this lesson, the difference. And we have authority over the natural physical world by faith, but we also learn how to not submit to the effects of the substance of this life. And if you can learn that, you conquer all things. Now there is a spiritual as well. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now he's naming spiritual forces here. The power behind the issue. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Well, this is obviously speaking of the spiritual realm. But he was just talking about the physical realm. When he deals with hardships and inconsistencies in life. But there is two sides. And he differentiates. He didn't have a problem knowing which was which. And sometimes believers do. 
It's the same with fear. Natural fear is a physical fear. It's based upon reality and instinct. Uh, like not wanting to fall off a cliff. I always use that example. Anybody you put to the edge of a cliff that drops 800 meters and you stick them on the edge of that cliff, they're not going to be like, hey, let's dance. No, everyone's going to. You ever see people get close? Like immediately you, your instincts tell you, don't die. And it's fear. They, some may call it a phobia. No, it's God having programmed you with the sense to not die. That's not a spirit, you understand? That's natural. You're responding to natural things. Being cautious, being careful, those things are natural. Now, spirits can push you too far over into the realms of fear, but there has, if there's a reason for your fear, then it's natural. If there's no reason for your fear, and here's where spiritual fear comes in, it's irrational. It makes no sense. And you can't figure out its source. You're just afraid. I don't know why. Well, guess what? That's a spirit of fear. And you need to stand against it. As going back to the first category of faith to stand against the spiritual. Speak to the spirit of fear. I know death. I know what it felt like when it came on me last night. And I just needed to speak to the spirit of death trying to assassinate me. I, which later today I'm like, yeah, I know something good's on the way. Yeah. We're about to do some great stuff because if he's looking to kill me, I'm about to do, we're going to do some good things. And he knows it. I better take him out before it's too late. Like the Pharisees planning in the minds of Christ. You know, and they don't, we better do, if not, we, our place will be taken from Israel if we don't deal with this guy. Like the, if the devils are trying to kill me, I'm on the right track. And I'm heading into exactly what God wants me to do. But there's spiritual fear that is irrational. Faith helps us in both realms. And faith especially will help you in the, in the physical realm. And that's what we saw. Now we go to the third and final one. Because if you thought the first one was hard, spiritual challenges, and then you thought, wow, these physical challenges are even more difficult, they are nothing compared to this one. Personal challenges. You become unstoppable in life in this realm. Now I want to qualify the point. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 17, 1, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother and sister sins against you, rebuke them. If they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Yet they're asking for an increase in faith because hearing this is disturbing to them. That they feel at this moment they don't have enough faith to deal with this. Which Peter later wrestles with. He, and then he makes a formula out of this. Remember later he tells Jesus, oh, okay, I know I have to forgive people. Seven times was it? And Jesus says, no, man, it wasn't a formula. <laughs> I tell you, seven times, 70, you know, or, or, um, or whatever the combination was, 490 times, it meant without end, Peter. So he says, you have to forgive. Increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? 
Or he'd rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Now, when we look at this passage in combination with the things that he just said, it becomes a little bit enigmatic, but I want to tell you what the Lord showed me. So this last category, obviously, of challenges in life is the realm of relationships with men. Spiritual, okay. Physical, all right, I get that. But this is people. And people are the worst. People are the hardest thing you will ever have to... I see people confront spiritual issues and deal with it. I see people rise against physical opposition and recover from accidents and sickness and show this great strength and then get taken out by one simple disagreement and banished from the kingdom by a choice. Leave the church. Leave the work of God because they couldn't agree about something. Yes. That is so much more powerful. That's the greatest challenge we ever have to face. Face. And most people, if they lack faith sufficient to stand in, what Jesus is trying to tell us in this passage is very important because the truth is embedded in the story. Why would he tell us this story about servanthood in light of exactly what he's saying? These spiritual challenges, even the natural, they're easy, but this is serious. Jesus has wisdom to share about how to overcome this issue by faith. He first says there are things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Well, this is the first thing we need to accept of these three things that I see here, is that it's inevitable. There will be, it's coming. No matter what, you will be offended. No matter what, you will offend people. You won't think you're offending them when you offend them. You'll think you have rights. And they won't think they're offending you when they offend you. They think they have rights. So it's an issue of right or wrong. So we get into the old idea of who's right, who's wrong. And we seek judgment, we seek vindication, we want justification, we want justice. Be very careful with this. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell us, that the personal challenges that we deal with, the offenses, he's saying basically, look, they're bound to come, but you let me deal with the ones through whom they come. Woe to them. But you need to worry about yourself. And that's the second thing he says, so watch yourself. Why didn't he say, so you better wash those, those greasy people. You better wash those dirty scoundrels. He didn't say wash them. He said, wash yourself. When you get in this situation where the whole world's turning against you and everybody's your enemy, he doesn't say, just keep your eyes on the enemy. Try to No, that's the opposite of what he's saying to do. This is divine wisdom. And if you don't consider carefully what he's saying, you might miss the point of it. Jesus is saying that you need to watch yourself, not the person offending you. So we have a tendency to become angry with the offender and focus all of our energy on that person. And we just want justice against the perpetrator of harm. We want, it's not right, so something has to be done. There has to be some type of balance. That's not watching ourselves. that's watching someone else. That is becoming someone more concerned with the judgment of the wrongdoers than the spiritual growth of, the, of yourself. And that's what Jesus is saying. Worry about your own spiritual development in these situations. 
Because we want that person to pay for the wrongs done and therefore we watch his or her life and forget to consider what matters most in the relationship. It's not how we're treated that matters in our spiritual growth and development. It's how we react to the mistreatment. Watch yourself, he says. And the third thing, he says to say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our... Now he gives you the secret on how never to come under an offense. And he says, okay, what if you're a slave, a real slave, and you're a servant? You have only one function and one function. Are you a real servant or not? That's what Jesus is saying. Because if you're a real servant, justice is not the issue. It does not matter. Because even when the master comes home and, and he is usurping power and authority over you and telling you what to do, and, and he's he, you don't say, fix me something to eat. On the contrary, you're a servant, so you take this in stride. This is the way it's going to be. You're going to be mistreated by the master because that's what masters do. You just deal with it. Because you're, you, what you want, dignity, respect, and nobility to be offered to you by the person that owns you, in this case, a physical slave owned by a master, that whatever that master says, that slave must do, must obey. And we're not talking about a mere um, domestic worker here in Singapore that works for you. They have lots of rights. And you can get in trouble for mistreating them by law. We're talking about a slave, which is this the thing. This concept is absent from our society these days. We don't really understand the depths that Jesus is calling us to serve. A laying down of our life entirely under the weight of injustice. And that's what he's telling us to do. You know you've overcome the challenges of relationships when you're able to truly and effectively speak these words. Jesus said, you should say this. He said, you should say this because he knew that you probably would not. The wording is very specific in the Greek. He didn't say you must or you will say this. He said, you know what? You should, this is what you should say. You're probably not. And that's why you're going to continue to have problems for the rest of your life. But if you learn the lesson I'm trying to teach you, and this is because your reaction emotionally and mentally to the hostile injustices of people is up to your free will. In other words, up to what you believe your faith. How do you overcome the challenge of these personal differences? Personal relationship differences? Issues with people? You believe something. And Jesus is teaching it. If you really grasp servanthood, then you are untouchable. And you will survive every injustice, every situation, everything. It won't matter anymore. You just breeze right through it. No issues. To successfully overcome the challenges of difficult relationships by faith, we just have to do the things that he says here. Realize it is unavoidable. Watch yourself. But worry about them. God's going to deal with them. He says, woe to them. They're going to, offenses are going to come to you, but don't, don't worry, I got that. Let me deal with them. A servant will stand or fall according to their master, not the other servant. You just come here and be my servant and just learn how to always say that you understand your worthlessness and that you are subject. And that makes God come to life in you. Faith pleases Him. If you believe that system and actually accept it, then you're untouchable. Nothing can bring you down. Nothing can stand in your way. And it, sometimes it takes decades. Sometimes it takes a lifetime to learn those lessons. Some people naturally have it. I find that amongst the most poor that I've seen in the world, it's easier for them. It's easy because they're used to being mistreated. 
village people in India, very easy. The Dalits, uh, Gandhi called them the children of God. I like that term better. The lowest caste. There's, you don't have to teach this to them. They, you can, they will literally get slapped around and taken. I see them working in Mumbai when I live there. Boy, come bring chai. You know, and the kid comes in and slap him in the back of the head. Like when I first saw those things, I, I was like, you don't slap a child. But who am I to speak to their culture? You do slap a child. You do hurt children in that culture, especially if they're Dalits, because they're a subspecies to you, and you mistreat them. That's closer to what we're seeing in this principle, but yet it's appalling. I can see the disturbed looks on their faces right now. Being a missionary in India will teach you a lot. And I can, but no, I never resorted to slapping children. Don't worry. I can become all things, all people, but I'm not going to slap a child. But they did all the time. They, well, the poor kid would just be standing there waiting for us, and they would come and grab his ear and pull him. Just out of hate because they're frustrated with life. Just just cruel, vindictive, evil. I wanted to kill them sometimes. I saw things, but I realized those children, they, they, they're like, hmm. Wow. Those are probably some of the, if you want good ministers in the body of Christ, you want real children of God, those are the ones. That's why I agree with Gandhi's assessment of the Dalits. He called them the children of God because they are the most humble people. Really beautiful, interesting idea. But nobody wants to be that. We see that as weak, don't we? We see that as, as weak and um, as not controlling your, your own destiny and your life. And this is always the control issue. Anyway, these are the things that we see. If you have faith, three categories of life's challenges. Number one is spiritual challenges. That's easy because that's just breaths. Spirits are breaths. That's the air. You go fight the air. I bind you air. Oh, that's hard. As I said, you can fake it and look like you're making it. And eventually you're going to have to deal with some real spiritual forces. And when you do it, you start to learn and grow. That's easy. Second is the physical challenges of life. Dealing with issues that are physical. Uh, broken things and you know the not being able to have money or pay for things those issues and dealing with that faith also is your key and finally the personal challenges dealing with the all the idiots out there the world is full of idiots and they, they all have been tasked to destroy your life and they're all coming after you what are you going to do about it Jesus said it he said you turn the other cheek nobody wants to do that Nobody wants to turn the other cheek. Everyone usually slaps back. 99.9% .9 of the time, we slap back. As soon as we're slapped, so slap harder. Come on. Ready for a fight. Jesus said the most radically insane things. Who? What? His, his teachings were ludicrous. Absolute insanity. Go a second mile. Not just the one mile that you legally have to go. Go the second mile. That kind of thing. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach. Because you know why? Jesus came to earth as a slave. And it, he deserved more than anyone else because he was God. He, As far as high to low, no one descended deeper than Christ. Not just to the earth, to our lowly state, but took upon himself the form of a servant, it says. And then went into the depths of the earth, down into hell, to win a victory over it. 
he did the most extreme changes and demonstrated that unless you become like this, and he put just a towel around his way, wash their feet. He wasn't trying to teach them a foot washing ceremony. Just like the fig tree, he was teaching them a principle. If you can do this, you can do anything. The power of a slave. I always think of that with Joseph. Joseph was never not a slave. There's nowhere it mentions that his, he was emancipated and no longer was a slave. No, he just was a very high-ranking slave. Because we're all going to serve somebody. And Jesus came with no will of his own. It says he had no will. He did not please himself, not even once. It was only with the Father. When the Father gave him something, he took it. And that was usually under the control of people that the Father touched. His ministry financially was supported by the women around him. He didn't usurp, he didn't take, he didn't, um, he didn't use any strength or force in the natural. He just, he was a servant, he was a slave the whole time. And if it meant he couldn't eat, he didn't eat for long periods of time just to fulfill the purposes of the father. His family thought he was crazy, we raised you better than that. Well, his family were just the mechanism to care for him during that time, but he was always a slave. That's faith. And that's why he said, well, you want, to, you want to win this situation, all you need to do is this. Uh, when you've done everything you're supposed to do, and you're feeling good about yourself, and you've checked every box, and you say, look at me, I'm God's man, I'm God's woman, then learn to say, I am an unprofitable servant. At my best, I am worthless. And see, that smacks against all the psychology that we learned through the years about uh, good self-esteem and believe in yourself and all the hogwash that psychology has, has, has caused us to, to suffer under that because it's not really scriptural. Amen. Thank you for listening to Antioch Center for the Nations. If you would like to support our efforts, please consider making a donation at www.antiochchurch.sg. Thank you.